Hello and welcome back to Franklin Covey's weekly podcast series on Leadership with Scott Miller, where twice weekly on Tuesdays and Fridays we release episodes both in audio and video formats on every possible podcast platform that are designed to make you a better leader. Franklin Covey is the world's most trusted leadership development firm. Some weeks we highlight our own internal authors and thought leaders, and other weeks we turn our super bright spotlight onto people that we share similar values with, that have an aligned mission to help you become a better leader, perhaps a better operations leader, finance leader, business development leader. Perhaps you're focused on product development or on sales, or maybe you are a marketing leader, and if so, you are going to love today's guest. We have, virtually in our studio, the world's preeminent authority, thought leader, best-selling author, innovator on sales process, on developing sales funnels and click funnels. His name is Russell Brunson. He's sold hundreds of thousands of copies of his books. You know him as a massive Instagram influencer. He is a keynote speaker advisor to anyone who is an entrepreneur, intrapreneur, solopreneur. If you have a side hustle or you have a sales process or a sales funnel, for your organization, regardless of size, you are going to be riveted by today's conversation with Russell Brunson. Russell, welcome to On Leadership. I'm excited to be here, Scott. Thanks for having me. And uh, this, I've been looking forward to this for a long time, so glad we finally got to make it happen. Russell, you and I can have a match off on who is the best energy infuser in the room and who has the most <laughs> megawatt energy. Um, I would be a close second to yours. I've been a big fan for a long time. I'm based in Salt Lake City. You're up in Boise, Idaho. You and I have kind of put together the six degrees of separation, a lot of mutual friends, but our first time actually meeting today, hopefully not the last. Today, we're going to spend most of our time talking about sales funnels, click funnels, which you know a thing or two about, and talk about what are the phases of becoming an expert. You have authored numerous books. You are a rabid collector of books. We might get to that in a moment. For those last few people in business development, marketing, sales, would you kind of rewind a couple of decades and give us a reminder of your path? Because you started like everyone, you outworked everyone, you out-tested, out-bet everyone, and now you have built a mega enterprise invested in entrepreneurs, helping them perfect not just their business with their customer, but their ongoing relationship with their customer. Rewind a couple of decades and let everybody know who you are and how you got to today's podcast. Yeah, so I actually grew up in Utah and my senior year, I took a class from Franklin Covey. So I was studying you guys way back when I was in uh, senior high school. So you probably didn't know that fun fact. But um, anyway, after I, uh, I was a wrestler growing up in high school, I wrestled um, at Brigham Young University. They cut the wrestling program. Uh, then I transferred up to Boise State. I wrestled in Boise, I've been in Boise ever since. And while I was in Boise, um, I met my beautiful wife. I wanted to get married, but I had no money. And so I decided to try to figure out, you know, I did what a lot of people do. I went to Google and typed in how to make money online. And I started down that rabbit hole of scams and things that didn't work and all sorts of just crazy stuff. And eventually after spending a lot of time trying to figure that out, I realized that there were people making money on the internet. And the way they did it wasn't difficult. They would create a product, they would set up a website to sell the product, and they would drive traffic to the website and people would buy the product. And I was like, this is it. This is not that difficult. And so the very first thing I ever created was uh, an information product teaching people how to make a potato gun. And so I, I made a DVD. I recorded myself teaching it and gluing pipes together and making a plan and everything. And I put it online and I put up a website to try to sell it. And I started buying Google ads and people would go and they'd buy the DVD. And 
And people, I started making sales. As a college kid, I was making like one or two sales a day for a $37 DVD, which made me like the richest kid in, you know, on the wrestling team at my school. And, and it was amazing. It was like, I, I felt like I had figured out a secret. Um, and it worked for like three or four months. And then at that time, this is back again, 20 years ago, those who have been doing this for a long time, that's when Google changed their algorithm. And it was the very first time there was this thing called the Google slap. And I went from, you know, spending $5 on Google ads to make a $37 sale to the price when I was spending like $50 in Google ads to make a $37 sale. And, you know, I, you know, I did that for two or three weeks. Eventually I was like, I'm going to run out of money. I can't spend $50 to make 37. And so I remember I turned my ads off and I thought that I had missed it. I remember on the news, they were talking about the dot-com bubble bursting. I'm like, oh, I missed the whole thing. Like the, the, the bubble burst. And then one day I had a phone call with one of my friends and he told me something fascinating. He said, he had the same thing happen to him that happened to me. His, his ads got too expensive and he couldn't afford it. And uh, he said, he said I, I had an idea. He's like, you know when you go to McDonald's and you order a Big Mac and then the first thing they would ask you back in the day was, do you want fries and a Coke with that? I was like, yeah. He's like, that's, that's called an upsell. I'm like, okay. He's like, I started adding upsells on my website. Um, and we didn't call these sales funnels back then, but this was kind of the beginning idea of a sales funnel. He said, I started adding upsell. So somebody would buy my product. And then on the next page, after I got their credit card information, I'd say, thank you. Would you also like to buy this product that's, that's similar, that's related? And he would upsell them something else. And he told me, I remember a time he said, like 30% of the people who bought his first product were buying the upsell. And, um, and he said, and they were paying, I think for his, they were paying like $200, $300 for the upsell. It's it more, much more expensive upsell. And so I was like, well, I have a potato gun DVD I sell for $37. What could I sell? And he was like, well, what if you sold like a potato gun kit or something? And so I didn't want to be in the business of making potato gun kits, but I, I called around and I found a company that actually made potato gun kits and we did a partnership. And so for $200, they would, they would ship out um, a potato gun kit. And so I made that an upsell. So someone would buy my DVD and next page is like a video. It wasn't a video back then. But it was like, congratulations on buying the DVD on how to make potato gun. Would you like me just to ship you all the pipes? So you don't have to go to Home Depot and buy it. These are all pre-cut and ready for you. If so, um, let me know and you know, for $200, we'll add this to your order. And just like that guy said, one out of three people would buy my upsell. And, um, and so what happens, I was spending $50 on ads. I would make $37 on DVDs, so I lose money, but then one out of three would buy this upsell and all of a sudden I was making money again. And that was like the beginning of the science that we now call sales funnels. But it was like the first time that they clicked for me. And I was like, the sales funnel idea, this, this would work in other businesses, probably besides potato gun business. And so I started taking this thing that I had learned and we started testing it in different businesses. And I would, I would go into businesses and I would, I would, um, I would partner with people or they'd pay me to build a funnel for them or I'd get equity in a company for setting up a funnel for them. And we started doing this all over the place. And for the next 10 years of my life, I was doing this for businesses. Um, and then uh, 10 years ago, we, we developed a software platform called ClickFunnels that made this process of building sales funnels really simple. And then I've written three books now on funnels because I'm mildly obsessed with with the art and the science behind it. But that's kind of the history of how I, how I got here. And it's um, one of my favorite things in the world to talk about because uh, I believe you can apply a funnel to any business. And it could be anything. You, we have hiring funnels to hire the right candidates. We have but, uh, you know, cancellations funnels. If the customer's trying to leave, how do we save that person? We have funnels to bring new leads in. We have funnels to sell people. We have funnels to, like anything you can dream, there's a funnel that will, that will you know, take somebody and help uh, orchestrate a path and a process to get them to, to to do the the outcome that you're looking for from them, and so that's kind of that's kind of history and how I got here. 
Russell, you know how sometimes when you graduate from high school, your GPA isn't good enough to actually get into college, but if you do get in, you have to take a couple of like remedial courses, right? They don't have any credit for them, you have to pay for them, but you have to pass like this basic math class to get into a four credit class. Have you ever been there? Is that relatable yes, at all? Yes, definitely. Yes, well, me as well, right? I think, I think my first year of college was just repeating high school in order to earn the right to take a four credit class. I use that metaphor because I wanna do a repeat math class on sales funnels because not everybody may have the same business acumen or passion or experience that you and I may have around business development. So right now, you're speaking to millions of people from you know, 150 plus countries, audio and video. I want you to bring this down to a non-credit college course, remedial math, and I'd like you to reorient everybody to what is a sales funnel? Why does every entrepreneur, every company need one? How simple, how elaborate? What are some key components? Take four or five minutes and give us a very basic primer on a sales funnel. Yeah. Um, so if you think about this, the, the whole world is sales funnels. At least that's the way I visualize the whole world, right? Um, I think back when I met my wife, like the way I met her was a sales funnel, right? Like I went out there to the market and I went on dates with a hundred different women. And that's not true. I have a lot less, but let's just say a hundred different women. And from there, I found there were like, there were 20 that like I had a really good experience with and I went on a second date with. And then from there I had maybe, you know, 10 that I went on a third date with. And then from there I had like five that I went on a fourth date from. And then I had like one that I went on a 10th date with, you know, and then I had one that I proposed to and one that I got married, right? And so like that's, that's, that's a sales funnel. Like we start with a lot of people and it shrinks down. Same thing is true with uh, radio advertising, right? We play a radio ad and it's, it's played to, you know, 100,000 listeners hear the ad. But from that ad, maybe we, we have a call to action for them to call a phone number or visit a website. So from that, 100,000 people heard it. That's the top of the funnel. It's the biggest part. And from there, we had maybe 10,000 that called the phone number. And then from 10,000 called the phone number, we had you know, 3,000 that actually um, placed the order for the free report. And then from the 3,000 that placed the order for the free report, maybe 300 actually bought the product. And from 300 bought the product, maybe 100 of them bought the upsell. And, and then from that, 10 of them actually came to your big live event or whatever, right? Same thing's true on the internet. It's like the funnel is like you look at social media. So let's say you post that on Facebook or Instagram and you know, 3 million people see it. From there, you get you know, 100,000 that click on something. From there, you get 20,000 people that do the next step. And, and so like, that's all that funnels are, is taking people down this, this process and this path, right? So all marketing is like, we're gonna cast this wide net to the most amount of people possible. And from that, we're gonna see who's interested enough to raise their hand. And that's the top of the funnel, right? And they raise their hand and we know they're interested because they click on something and they come into the next phase, right? Which is usually, in, in my world, it goes from an ad they click on a page and then boom, they land on a ClickFunnels page, right? Now, this is where the science becomes really fun for me is it's like, like how, do we, how do we optimize the process to be the best possible experience? We get the most people through the funnel possible, right? Because I've seen people who love a video that goes viral and they get 3 million views and then they hit the next page of the funnel and because the, that first page is so incorrectly designed or structured, they get 20 sales and, and the whole thing falls apart. In fact, we had, a, we had a company that hired us uh, a couple of years ago. That was the problem. They had a video that got like 50 million views. And from that, they got like 30 sales. And they were freaking out. Like, we should be getting a lot more sales. But the, the funnel was, like the, the process was incorrect. And so we had to simplify things. And so one of the things that, that we've learned over the years is that the more simple each, each step in the process is, the, the more likely people are to, to say yes, right? They always say that, uh, that a confused mind always says no. And so if you look at like a 
a well-designed funnel, when you hit a page, that page only asks you to do one thing, never two. If it asks you for two things, the conversion drops in half instantly, a lot of times more than that, right? So if you come to like any of the Russell Brunson pages and you land on it, it's gonna be like, hey, thank you so much for more information. And this can ask you one thing, like put your email in, put your email in and I'm gonna send you a free report or put your email in and I'll do this or, um, you know, or something like that. And then if they do that first step, then it takes them to the next page in the step and the next page in the funnel now will ask them to do one thing and one thing only. Because if I ask them two things, the conversion will drop in half instantly, right? So the next page I'm like, hey, here's a, you know, um, for me it might be a free book. Like, hey, here's, thanks so much for, for um, you know, giving me your email address. Uh, as a gift, I want to give you a copy of my book. Normally it's, you know, $20 on Amazon, but I will ship you a free copy if you'll pay $7.95 shipping and handling, right? So someone might buy the book on that page. Then if they say yes, then the next page comes back. And again, I ask them to do one thing and one thing only. I'm like, thank you so much for buying my book. How would you like to have the home study course version of this book so you can study at home, you can share it with your staff and your team? If so, click yes and we'll bill your card right now for $297 for the home study course, right? And so we take them down this, this funnel. And so that's kind of what a funnel is. There's a lot of different types of funnels. I don't want to get into that because we could go for years talking about different types of funnels. That's how I think about everything. So hiring funnels the same way. If I want to hire someone, right? If I put an ad out there, that might be 20,000 people that respond to, a, to an ad. I'm like, how am I going to go through all these different things, right? So I take them through a process. They come to a page like, hey, you know, here's the ad. Instead of me getting all your resumes and going, trying to go through them all, come to this page right here. I'm going to ask you to do some certain things. And I'm going to weed out 90% of you guys who aren't willing to do step number one, right? And I take them to step number two and step number three. And what happens is the people that, that make it to the end of the funnel, these are my dream candidates for hiring, right? Or my dream customers to buy my products, or my services. And so it kind of weeds out all of the, you know, all of the, the stuff you don't want and, and gives you at the end, like the dream customer, the dream prospect, the dream person, just like, you know, my marriage funnel, for example, by the time it was done, like it weeded out all of the, the other prospects and brought me my wife who we got married and have kids and like all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of, I think the most simple way that I can explain a funnel because it is a complex concept. I think that's the most simple way to kind of hopefully illustrate for people to understand. No, I think it was an extraordinary level set for everybody. Let's go a little bit deeper, if you will, because I do want to spend a little more time on this so people can actually appreciate and understand your expertise. By the way, your books are extraordinary. They're hard to buy. I have two that are circling the nation right now from Amazon because they're in demand. You mentioned about the kind of one-two step of ClickFunnels, meaning not two, just one thing. What are some other high-level best practices that now you've got everybody's attention that's selling a product or a service, they're thinking right now about their website. We'll go to that in a moment. Are there some other automatic best practices that, you know, chief product officers, chief marketing officers, anybody that's involved in narrowing their funnel process should be mindful of? 100%, yes. So um, I'll give you guys like the secret sauce because people will pay me $100,000 to consult them on a funnel for like three hours. And um, and I literally tell everybody the exact same thing. So I'm just gonna give it to you guys so you can just use this as as like the, the way that I look at every single funnel, every single ad, everything. So I always tell people that if something's not working in your funnel process, right? Like if, if you have 100,000 views and, it, and you know, step number two drops to like eight people make it through step number two, like something's broken there, right? You gotta fix it, you gotta like, how do I unclog the sink so the more people will be able to come through? And so I, what I always tell people, I talk about this in all three of my, my marketing books, I said that um, the three principles that are most important are your hook, your story, and your offer. And so something's not working in any step of your funnel, it's always either the hook, the story, or the offer. So what I do is I look at a campaign, initially look at the ad. If the ad's not working, it's always because of either the hook, the story, or the offer, right? So what is the hook? The hook is the thing that grabs somebody's attention, 
right? And the hook could be anything from a headline to a visual something to something funny, something weird in the background, like something that grabs someone's attention. And this, I always think about nowadays, consumers are typically looking at what you're doing on the phone, right? So they grab their phone and they're sitting there and they're scrolling through a whole bunch of things and they're bored out of their mind. And so our job as business owners is to grab their, to hook them with something, right? The first thing is how to, like, will this thing hook their attention? So for me, I'm always looking at something that's going to be unique, that's going to grab their attention. Like we've had times where, you know, uh, it could be anything from like me catching a book on fire and there's flames. I'm like, oh, my book's on fire. Like, you know, that'll stop someone's attention when they're scrolling. Or um, the other day or a couple of years ago, I was in Amsterdam. I remember we were walking down this, this um, down the street and looked inside the hotel lobby and there was this big, huge, random green rhino. And I was like, that's weird. That's a hook. So I jumped in front of the rhino, grabbed my iPhone and I made an ad of me in front of this green rhino, like, hey, this is Russell. I'm here from this green rhino in Amsterdam. I don't even know what this is. And then from there, I transitioned to the book. Like the hook is just to stop their attention long enough that you can tell the story, right? So the number one is the hook. Number two then is the story. So the goal of the story is to increase the perceived value of the thing that you're trying to offer them, right? If I tell you like, uh, hey, here's my, here's my new book. You should buy a copy of it. Like even if your book's amazing, nobody's going to buy it because there's no perceived value. Right? I have to tell a story about the book to increase the perceived value so that people actually value it, right? And so I'm going to tell a story like, hey, this is a book. I spent 10 years of my life trying to understand and to master these principles of sales funnels. And that, like, I tell the story behind it. And like, from all this 10 years of effort, I went and spent two years uh, in my office diagramming you know, thousands of funnels, breaking things down to figure out what are the patterns and the processes. And from that, I created this one book that's going to walk you through everything, right? So I tell the story, and now that increases the perceived value. Now it's not just, here's a book, but it's like, oh, wow, like if I get this book, that's going to save a decade of my life that I'm going to get by reading this book. Or maybe it's whatever your product, your service is, right? Like always tell a story about how I either, um, how I learned it or how I earned it. How did I figure out, how did I create this thing? Like the story behind that. Because the story is what sells. It increases the perceived value of the thing you're trying to sell. And then the third step is the offer. What's the thing you're actually offering them, right? And we need to make an offer that's so good, that's so powerful that when people look at it, it makes, it makes the price you're asking for very, very inexpensive, okay? And so I look at every single, every single phase of the funnel with that, that, that lens of hook, story, offer. So I look at someone's ad, and it's not working. In my case, either the hook, the story, or the offer. So I'm looking, is the hook good? Like, are people, like, would this get me to stop scrolling? If the answer is yes, like, cool, that's good. If it's not, it's like, okay, let's do a different hook. Let's try something, let's try a different background. Or let's try a different headline. Are you, you know, like, doing something different? Okay, if hook is working, then I'm like, what's the story? Was the story good? Did it get me excited about the thing that you are trying to get me to, to click on? And I'm looking for the story. And third is the offer. Because even, even in an ad, the offer is usually click on the link down below for more information. Like, but that's an offer. Like, click on this link and I'm going to give you more information. Like, is the offer good? Like, is the information good? Like, is that offer any good? So it hooks her off from the ad. Then, so that's the first step in the funnel, right? Then if they click, then they go to the landing page. In the landing page, you might be asking for someone's contact information. So then I'm looking at the same thing. What's the hook on this page? Like, are they going to stay? Most people hit a page within like, <clears throat> like less than three seconds they leave. So you got three seconds, even though they clicked on your ad for them, for you still to keep their attention. So you got to hook them again. So land the landing page, what's hooking them on the landing page? Could be an image, could be a headline, could be, but there's something's got to hook them, right? So I'm thinking through that as I'm looking through the page. Then what's the story I'm telling on the landing page? Like there's a story I got to tell them about why I want their email address or why I want them to put their credit card in. What's the story about that? And I got to make them an offer. Because even if I'm just asking for their email address, like, like that's something that they're trading. They're trading me their email address in exchange for something. So what's my offer? Like give me your email address and I'm going to give you this thing. And here's the story about why this is so exciting, right? 
And then after that page, you go to the next page. And what's the hook story offer in that page? And then the upsell page, what's the hook story offer? So that's the, that's the framework I'm always thinking through in every single thing. When someone hires me for a big consulting gig, I look at the entire sales process, the entire sales funnel, and I go step by step, what's the hook story offer? If it's not, if something's broken, it's always one of those three things. And I go to the landing page and then the upsell page and the next page. And you just like, we go through that process. And so that's how, you know, like, um, if a page is going to work, an ad's going to work is by like mastering those three, three core principles. Russell, take a moment and talk about a landing page or a website. Are there some things that you think generally entrepreneurs and companies do wrong that if you just made a couple of tweaks, it's going to increase your conversion rate or your sales funnel? Any particular passions around web design, colors, images, style, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think it's interesting because especially, you know, bigger corporate companies, like they're, they rely so much heavy on, on really heavy branding and stuff like that. that They miss most of the core direct response principles that make advertising on the internet actually work. And so, but there's also this weird yinging. And so um, I'm, I'm kind of a blend. Like I believe in branding and corporate appeal and logos and like colors and things like that. But it's also like, like the words on the page, the copy, the headlines, the call to actions, like those are, those are actually more important than the branding initially. Okay, so the very first time I'm trying to get somebody into my world, most of my pages are more direct response driven because I need to get somebody's attention so I can, I can have the opportunity now to market to them, send them emails, to send them messaging, right? And so the first pass is more direct response. Now, after they've, they've come into my world, now they're a customer, now the whole goal is to build a relationship with them. And that's when it transitions more to the branding side. And I know you got the book Expert Secrets on your desk there. That whole book is about how do we build customers for life? How do we get people who, um, who buy from us over and over and over again? Like, and that's about the, you know, in my mind, more the branding and like building that relationship with somebody. But it's, for me, it's, it's this weird thing. So if you look at any of my pages that are going to new audiences that don't know who I am yet, like a lot of times I hide the logo clear at the very bottom of the page because the logo does not help me to get somebody into my world initially. It helps them to stay long-term after the fact, but the thing that gets them in initially is like, it's a really good headline. It's a really good offer. It's intrigue. It's curiosity. It's like, what's the benefit if somebody comes, if you're going to give me an email address, what's the benefit of that, right? And then after I got your contact information, now I start telling you my story about who I am and why I do these things. And here's the brand I created and why. And then now I have time. Um, I have a longer period of time to build the relationship with the brand. And so that's the core things. I see people all the time who come to me, who especially bigger brands, who are like, they have these beautiful websites and they're driving, like they have an advertising budget. Let's say they're spending a million dollars a year, a million dollars a month on ads, and they're sending to this page, and it's not converting, and, and they don't understand why. And it's like, you know, in my world, we don't have advertising budgets. Like, we, everything we create has to be profitable point of sale immediately, right? And we spend, you know, two, two and a half million dollars a month in advertising, and it's all profitable day one. And the, the way we do that is by having pages that are very structured to getting somebody to come into our world, take action quickly, to, to purchase something at point of sale, to, to recoup our advertising costs. And after we now acquired that customer, then we have the ability to spend time to, to build a relationship with them. And if someone's just driving traffic to the spot that builds a relationship with them, you know, I, I don't have the luxury of doing that because I've got to pay for all the, I, you know, we are not venture backed. I don't have cash that, you know, someone's given me to spend on advertising. We have to be profitable from day number one every single time consistently. And so it's different. And so I always see bigger brands who are just dumping an advertising budget to, to promote a branding site there's no immediate ROI. They can't even track. Sometimes it's like, sometimes people, most of the time people don't track it at all. If they do track, like it's 12 months for us to get our, our, our advertising dollars back or 18 months or three years. I'm like, that is crazy. Like, you can get your money back 
immediately if you would just restructure how you're doing your campaigns for new customers coming in versus you know, the, the people that you're building a long-term relationship with. Russell, your passion is contagious, truly, even for a guy that has passion that's contagious. Uh, you've written a series <laughs> of books. This one is called Expert Secrets, the underground playbook for converting your online visitors into lifelong customers. I want to spend the rest of our time before we talk about ClickFunnels and talk about a concept that I'm really passionate about. You call it the five phases to become an expert. Mm -hmm. And I want you to spend about a minute on each of these, if you will. First of all, how do you define an expert and why is that important for an entrepreneur, solopreneur, or intrapreneur, or even company that has a product or a service they're trying to differentiate in the market? Yeah, if you look at the market today, it's interesting, um, and it get, it's getting heavier and heavier this direction. People uh, no longer trust brands, they trust people, right? Um, it, used to be, it used to be the opposite. People only trusted brands. Um, but even now, it's like even these biggest brands in the world are going after influencers to to be the people. In fact, one of my friends, Jay Shetty, just literally did an interview on his podcast with the standing president of the United States, which is crazy because he's just an influencer who's got a podcast and he was able to get the president of the United States to be on his podcast because that's where people care about. Like that's more valuable to him right now than getting on Fox or CNN or any of the other news stations in the world because he's built a following of people, right? I look at um, you know, the big supplement companies, the biggest supplement companies in the world, they're not like they're not built around a brand anymore. Like um, a good one's called On It. Some of you guys probably don't know what On It is, but it was built on Joe Rogan. Like Joe Rogan was the brand. And then like he created a supplement called Alpha Brain, plugged it into his brand and boom, became this, one of the biggest supplement companies in the world, right? Like people connect now with people. And so if you look at um, in, in uh, Expert Seekers, I talk about how, how brands need to have an attractive character, somebody that the audience can connect with, right? Um, and so it's, that's kind of the first thing is becoming an attractive character. And usually the attractive character is a customer of, or is someone who's like, I don't know if you remember the old hair club for men ads. He's like, not only am I the president of the hair club for men, I'm also a customer, right? It's the same thing. Like, like I'm the biggest fan of funnels in the world, right? I'm the biggest customer. I'm the biggest fan. Like I use them more than anyone. So like, so me as like the head of click funnels, like I'm talking about funnels all the time. I'm using funnels launch this product and this business and this thing. And like, I'm sharing all these things like crazy, right? Because, um, I am the super fan. And so people are looking at me and saying like, Wow, I want to be like that, right? And because of that, I want to use the products and services they're using, right? So people connect now with people, with personalities yep. more than brands. Yep. And that's kind of the, the key understanding. So the Expert Seekers book is about like, well, how do you become that, the attractive character, the expert in that brand that's going to guide people along the path that you want to take them on? Beautifully said. I'll be sending this podcast to our entire executive team as soon as it airs. The five phases to become an expert. Phase number one the dreamer, it starts with a spark. Let's do a speed round. One minute on each of these. Number one, the dreamer. Talk about that. Yeah, a lot of times people come in to me and they're like, well, we don't, I don't really know what to do. And so I always tell them like, the very first phase, like, what are, you, what are you excited by? What are you intrigued by? Like, that's where it begins with is like, is like the, the passion. And then we got to take that spark and you light it on fire. You become obsessed with it, right? When I got into funnels, I didn't just like dabble like, oh, I'm going to be into funnels. I like, I became obsessed. I went a million miles deep learning and studying everything I could on the topic, interviewing people on topic, getting to know everything so that I could become the expert. I take that little spark of interest and catch it on fire. So I surrounded myself with people who were excited by those things because they took, you know, took my little spark and they all had big fires. We got together and that turned my spark into a huge blazing inferno as well. And so it's figuring out your spark, surrounding yourself with people who are on fire and using that to really elevate yourself so you can become the expert. You can know them, interview them, ask them questions. And that's kind of the, the first phase. 
By the way, Jay Shetty and his wife were on um, Times Square yesterday for a huge Gap ad, like an 80-foot high Gap ad. So he's doing lots of things right. Phase number two, <laughs> taking on the identity of the reporter. Yeah. So one of the, the problems most people as an expert take is like, they're kind of being new to this. And they're like, I'm going to be an expert. And they start sharing stuff and they don't actually know yet, right? And so what I say is the first phase is like becoming a reporter, which is what you're doing right now. You're interviewing me, asking me questions. You're getting to know things that then you could use when you're, you know, when you're doing something. I had a chance a couple of years ago to hang out with um, Howard Berg, who's the world's fastest reader. And the guy's amazing. And I remember he told me he read 30,000 books uh, in his lifetime. And I asked him his opinion on God. He's like, well, it's interesting. He's like, I've actually read, I can't remember, it was like 3,000 books on God from every single perspective. He's like, because of that, this is my, this is my philosophy on God. And I remember he told me, and it was like, the most fascinating conversation in my entire life. And so the next step with like becoming a reporter is like, instead of you just taking your opinions and, and using it as like, this is the gospel truth, like go and find 10, 15, 20 other people, interview them, ask them questions, get to know them, like read their books, study their stuff, because it's going to give you a more holistic view of like what the truth actually is. A lot of times we get stuck with like what we believe versus like, let's find out what the actual truth is. And so you become a reporter, you have a chance to interview the people who are the greatest right? Get to know them. And then from there, you can, you can build your own ideas and beliefs and philosophies based on that, right? My, a lot of my philosophies came from me interviewing my, my mentors and understanding what they did and then figure out how can I tweak that into what I'm doing with funnels. And, um, and that's kind of where, you know, my philosophies all came from, from that process. Phase three of becoming an expert, building your own frameworks. Yeah. So that's kind of the next step is, is um, you got to create something that's your own unique thing, right? Um, like Franklin Covey didn't, when they came out with all this stuff, they didn't come and just like, like we just regurgitate somebody else's stuff. It's like, they took everything they learned before and then from there built their own frameworks, right? Same thing was true with me. Like I studied every single person, but what I'm doing is I'm taking a little bit pieces from all the things that I've kind of learned and studied and I'm testing things. I'm trying things. I'm trying this, I'm trying that. And from there, I'm figuring out what my truth actually is. And from that, I actually build my own framework. Uh, Bruce Lee, I can't remember the quote off the top of my head, but he basically said the same thing. He's like, He's like, try everything, take what works for you, get rid of what doesn't, and from that, you're gonna build your own frameworks. And so that's kind of the process is from that. It's like, how do you create your own unique thing based on all your experience, all your information so far? Phase four, work for free, serving your future dream clients. Yeah, as you know, business is all about service and helping people. And I think a lot of times people like, they create a framework, they try to go sell it really quick. And it's like, no, like, before you like prove this works, like hopefully it worked on yourself, right? Because usually you're the first client of your own system, your own process is that. And the phase number two is like, I got to make sure this works for other people. So when I got started, I found somebody um, who needed a funnel, I, I, who I loved his product. I went out there and I worked for free. I built them a funnel. I helped them launch the new business, launch a new brand. We launched that funnel. It's, it does $20, $30 million a year right now. And I was like, okay, it worked for me. It worked for him. And I, I did the same thing for five or six different people. I did a funnel for Tony Robbins for free, for Dave Asprey for free. I did funnels for all these people for free just to prove that like, the frameworks I created, they actually work for people besides myself. And after it did, it's like, wow, this doesn't just work for Russell. It works for all these other people as well. Now I have something that I know works that I can now share with the world. Phase five, aptly named becoming an expert. Yeah, I think that's the phase that this is where it's like, man, I have something unique that I can bring to the marketplace that I know works. It worked for me. It works for other people. I'm going to step into that role and, and, be, and put that on. Like now I am the expert, right? And um, that's the process thing every expert goes through. The, the the people that bother me are the ones who just, they decide they want to be an expert. They go and they, they read a book about something and then they start preaching it the next day as if they made the whole thing up. It's like, no, that's not how you become an expert. There's a process that goes through it. And when you do that, then you have something truly unique you can bring to the marketplace in the world. 
and uh, you have the ability to change a lot of people's lives. And that's, that's the best part of the whole game. Russell, talk about click funnels. This is both a process and a product and a company that you have co-founded or founded. I want everyone to leave this interview having a much better understanding of sales funnels and what click funnels is. Give us a primer on that. Yeah, so prior to having, you know, ClickFunnels is now 10 years old. Prior to that, um, we'd have an idea for a funnel and then I'd sit down and, um, you know, I had hired programmers from Romania and India and we had different, like all these people and it took a whole team of people to build the sales funnel. We'd, we'd map it out and then I'd hire a designer and then a programmer and then a, like, it took a ton of people to build a funnel. And even though we were really good at it, on average, it'd take us about three months to build a funnel with my team of like eight to 10 developers, designers and programmers. Um, and it was a long, hard process. But when one would hit, it would it would it would make us a lot of money, right? And so I did that for almost a decade. And then I um, have a business partner named Todd Dickerson, and he's a developer. And he was one of the ones who was building these funnels for me over and over and over again. He's like, you know, most of these things we're doing, like there, there's a system behind this. Like we don't have to keep redoing it every single time. He's like, what if I built software that made this process simple? Like we took all the best practices, everything you've learned, everything you taught everything you teach in your books, and we made it software that follows these principles. So people aren't guessing, they're using the best practices and they make it simple where you don't have to be a technical person. You can literally be someone on a marketing team or somebody who's a, a solo entrepreneur or whoever who can log in and just like pick the pages in the funnel and then like drag and drop and move things around and actually build something really simple and really easy. And so that's what the idea was for ClickFunnels. We launched it, we launched it 10 years ago. We have over 100,000 active entrepreneurs and small business owners to use our platform. Uh, to build funnels in every market you can dream of. And uh, that's kind of what ClickFunnels is. And, um, and uh, you know, it does, it does the, the sales funnels, does the email marketing, does a lot of the, the, the core business thing. It has a good CRM. It's got all those kind of things. But the core thing that we do is we build, uh, we make it very, very simple and very easy to build really powerful sales funnels. Russell, you have a large social media presence. I follow yours, your on, on multiple platforms. And one of the things I know about you is you aren't just an aficionado of writing books but you also are a collector of books. What's going on behind you? For those who may not be watching this on video, <laughs> on audio, talk a little about one, one of your side passions. Yeah, so those who have seen the video version, there's uh, this week's books that came in. So um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so after I started writing books, like I realized a lot of people, like they write a book in a weekend or they do, a, you know, whatever. But for me, like writing books is hard. Like it takes me between a year and two years to write a book. And I, I put a lot of time and energy and effort because I love it. And like, and, you know, when I was younger, books are things that changed my life. And so I write books and I, like, I see people's lives get changed by them and I became obsessed with them. And so uh, about three years ago, I started wanting to collect old books, started with old religious books. Uh, and I bought some first edition, like some of the most amazing religious books ever. And then I was like, I want to start buying old first edition books from other, other people I respect. And so one of my favorite authors is Napoleon Hill. And, um, and I kind of started buying old Napoleon Hill books and manuscripts and and um, I found a, a pre-first edition Laws of Success from 1920. Anyway, I bought, that was like my first big acquisition. It was a $1.5 million book set. Uh, and then I just became obsessed. And so I've, I think in the last three years, I've bought, in, uh, I think the last count about 18,000 books uh, on business, personal development, marketing, sales, all first editions. Um, they're all old. They smell amazing. A lot of them are signed by the original authors. And it's, uh, I'm in the process now of building a museum uh, for, for these old books. Um, the time period that I collect from is from 1850 to 1950, which was a, an era of time was called the new thought movement. This is the very first time in history where people, uh, realized they could think and they could change life. They could think and grow rich. They could think and change their situation. And 
and there's just amazing authors that popped up that nobody really knows about most of these authors now. There's a, there's a handful that like that people know, but for the most part, that like most of these books, these authors are unknown. And so right now we're in the process of republishing all these books. And um, it's just been, it's it's my fun side hobby, side, uh, hobby to keep me busy. And the fun thing for me is like, um, as we're launching, like I'm launching this as a side business and I'm using all the stuff I teach in ClickFunnels, I'm applying it to this business. And so all my students are watching as I'm not just saying, hey, here's what I would do if I was you. I'm like, I just launched a new company. Here's what I'm doing first. Here's what I'm doing second. Here's what I'm doing third. And people are watching me as I'm doing it and they're modeling it for their businesses as well. So that's where the book hobby is coming from. And it is, anyway, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Russell, other, <laughs> than, other than the Smithsonian's first outpost in Boise, Idaho with all of your books, <laughs> what's next on your horizon? You know, for me, it's just more of the same. Um, where, you know, we recently, about a year ago, launched a new version of ClickFunnels. Uh, and um, we're still building on that platform and adding a lot of really cool new things. You know, we're weaving AI into the software more so we can do a lot more, um, you know, people can build funnels faster. So a lot of the focus is just on, on ClickFunnels is my number one focus still. Um, I'm working on my very first personal development book. And, uh, and then I've got the personal development company, which is, again, is using all these principles. We're teaching the ClickFunnels uh, community and actually applying it. So those are my two things is ClickFunnels and Secrets of Success is the, is the personal development company. So those are my two things I'm focusing on and uh, having the time of my life with them. Russell Brunson, you better put some more power behind ClickFunnels because your site's going to actually get some traffic from people that are thinking <laughs> about this interview, replaying it three or four times and figuring out how to partner with you. You're a class act. I appreciate your energy. Your positivity is refreshing in a world of uh, lots of challenges. And I think uh, each day you choose to be positive is something that can actually uh, wear off on in a positive way with all of our listeners and viewers. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And we'll see you back here next week for a new conversation on leadership.